Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. I had some things on my heart and the, the way that it came, uh, I first of all put the message together, then I went backwards and thought, what can I title this thing? So the title is a little unusual. It's called The Change Dealing with the Unchanged. And as we go along, it will become clear what it's really about, but the change dealing with the unchanged. And so what we're going to look at, we're going to look at today what things haven't changed, what has changed, and then how who's ever changed can deal with the things that haven't changed. And we are the ones that are changed. And so you'll see as we get into it, I think it's really important that every Christian knows uh, what in our lives, when we receive Jesus as Savior, what in our lives do, does not change? What has changed? And then what has changed? How do we deal with those things that have not changed? So we're going to look into that today. So let's just start off. Uh, and then just even to give you an example, sometimes when we teach and preach from the pulpit, and now with social media and everything being streamed, the world listens in on what is said in churches. And then because, of course, if they're, they're, they're not Christian, if they're not born again, it's hard for them to interpret what is said. And this is just one example. I, I ran across this in The Guardian. And it says this. It says, a number of American religious leaders have endangered their flocks by claiming the virus can be defeated by faith. And so, of course, I shared about, what, five, six weeks ago, and I shared a story about John G. Lake when he was during the bubonic plague, and he was right there, and how he uh, went and put the foam on his hand and told the doctors to look at his hand under the microscope, and, and the germs were dying. The, the plague was dying when it touched him, and, and he attributes that, that he had understanding and revelation about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So I encouraged our, back then about, I don't know if it was six weeks now, whenever it was, I encouraged everyone to make sure that w- no one acts out of anger or just not copying someone, but each person feeds on the Word of God and has an understanding about the law of the spirit of life, how it defeats the law of sin and death. And, but without that understanding, we, we you know, people can't just go do what John G. Lake does. Well, if somebody's listening in while the service is being streamed, they can take one or two sentences and they say, these Christians are doing this, and they can, you know, slant at that direction. And, and that happens with a lot of different things. So I'm just today thinking uh, what the Lord gave me, we're going to go through some things and with his help make some things clear what hasn't changed, but then what has changed, how do we deal with the unchanged. So let's start. The first thing that hasn't changed is the world. When you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, the world doesn't change. So we're just going to look at two things concerning that. The first one is the unfolding prophecies and plans of God. And so there's prophecies that are unfolding still since Jesus ascended back up into heaven. And there's the big plans and purposes of God, they're global, they're big, and of course he cares about us individually, but there's the big plans and purposes. And so prophecies that Jesus gave or the Bible 
We can pray until we're blue in the face, but those prophecies, we can't make them leave. They're not going to change. I'll give you an example, and you'll see what I'm talking about in Luke 17 and verse 26. It says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Well, that's Jesus prophesying about the days that we are in right now. And then he goes on to say, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And so this is telling us that the world is going to continue on its course. And I've shared scripture before. There's a scripture in, in the book of Ephesians, and it says this. It says the world is on a course, and actually that world there is, it's the, I believe that's the word age. The, this, in this age, there is a certain course, and it says the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, that's who is controlling the course of the world. And so previously, I made it clear that Jesus did something to redeem us, and so we could have life in the midst of what we're living in, which is a world that's full of sin, but we are saved in the world. The earth itself belongs to the Lord, and the fullness thereof belongs to him. But the system of the world, the devil's controlling that. So I've made that clear previously. And so we are in the world, but we're not of the world. But there's prophecy. So Jesus said this is going to be going on. That it was going to be like the days of Noah. They were partying. People, there's going to be more and more partying. And, they're, and they're, they're going to keep going on with what they're doing. We should know as Christians, the world hasn't changed. Other scriptures, 1 Peter 3 and verse 20. It says, because they formerly did not obey. That's... Uh, talking about when Noah was on the earth, God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. And I never really noticed this until just this week when I was preparing, but it popped out at me where it says that the ark, that God's patience waited. And I thought, wow, that's like... He was waiting back then, and he was patient, because the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So while the ark was being built, Noah was preaching to all those that were partying and living any way they wanted to live. He was there preaching to them, and they actually had an opportunity to change, but they chose not to. So, so then I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? That's a type and shadow. God was patiently waiting because the book of James says this about that he, the Lord, he's patiently waiting for the fruit of the earth. That's people to get saved. For, so because there's the early rain and the latter rain. The early rain was when Jesus rose up into heaven. The Holy Spirit came. The church age started. That was the former rain. The Holy Ghost came to earth, and we've had the church now for about 2,000 years. We're in the latter reign. We're in the last of the last days. He's patiently waiting, and what's he waiting for? He's waiting for the precious fruit. And so uh, the world is getting worse. We're being changed from glory to glory, and we're in the world. We'll say a little bit more about that later. Um, and so when you look at this, um, 
in First Thessalonians 5, 2, it says, you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. And so this is telling us about before Jesus comes back to the earth. Here's the good news if you look at the next verse, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. So we're in these days, the last of the last days. And so the rapture has no signs. You can't find signs in the Bible about the rapture, but there's many signs about the second coming. One of the signs, and, there's, and most of them have come to pass, one of them that's right now unfolding, and the, these are the, the, like the plans and purposes and the prophecies that are unfolding, is the Ezekiel War. The Ezekiel War will happen in the Middle East, and it will be Israel and others that hate Israel. They will win the war. But as this... They, oh. She reacted there. <laughs> they're, 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 they're going to remain a nation all the way till the end. They will not cease to exist. But um, as, it, as this unfolds, we can see how it's unfolding. And so if you take seven years previous to the Ezekiel War, that's when the rapture will happen if you're pre-trib. Now, I went for a little season where I was almost becoming mid-trib, because some people I respect were going that way. And, uh, and then I was listening to somebody and they made a statement and I thought, wait, that bears witness with me. And I've gone back to preacher of, and, here, and here's the statement that was made. Daniel's 70 weeks. There's seven years that God must finish dealing with Israel. And that's a seven year period. Well, God's not gonna deal with Israel if the church is still on the earth. The church has to be taken off the earth, and then God will deal with Israel those seven years, and then the second, he will return, Jesus will return. So if you notice the Middle East, the rapture is going to happen before that Ezekiel war, and there's things transpiring and unfolding even as we're sitting here concerning that war developing. So that means that we're really close, and the world is not changing, but we shouldn't be surprised uh, as we see things get worse. There was a prophetess lady that, um, she's been in heaven a long time, back when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was a trusted lady, her name was Jeannie Wilkerson, and she prophesied various things. But she had this odd prophecy one time, well, I don't know if it's odd, but she said in the last days, like, the ladies will be taking more and more clothes off. You know, now that's, you know, but you just drive down the street nowadays in the summertime and you think, you know, like, wow, put some clothes on. But, but you know, but you know what I'm saying? Even that, little things like that. She prophesied about airplanes falling out of the sky because of terrorism, and that's already happened. So I'm just saying she did various prophecies and they've come to pass. So uh, I just want to encourage young people, don't follow after the world just because it's in style. Now, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I didn't get permission to say this, but this is a number of years ago. She doesn't even do it now. I don't have to say a word, but my daughter was coming to 
worship practice. We weren't even in this building. It was a long time ago, so, and I didn't ask her permission to share, and she had these really short shorts on. I go, where are you going? And she said, worship practice. I said, not like that. And she goes, but they're in style. I said, I don't care what's in style. You're not going to church like that. And, and she didn't complain. She went and changed them, and really, I, she stopped. We, you don't have to, young people, you don't have to follow all the styles. Who cares? All right. That's enough on that one. Okay, so um, then the second thing concerning the world is the world's pursuit of us. The world's pursuit of us. And this is 2 Timothy 4.10. It says, Demas loves the things of this world so much that he left me and went to Thessalonica. So, you know, Demas was serving the apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, in my view, it's like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he was pretty fruitful. The Apostle Paul, I have like a really high respect for him, wrote like two, he was used by the Holy Spirit to write two-thirds of the New Testament, like this apostolic pioneer in the early days of the church. Great respect. And then if you read, it, you know, that by his hands in his ministry there were signs and wonders wrought the, you know, by an apostle and Demas was right there serving him and so I thought if a guy like Demas we have to be un- understand as Christians the world doesn't go away so Demas loves the things of this world so much so we have to be aware as Christians there's like really a lot of things out there that try to capture our attention and uh and Demas allowed the things, and they had a lot less back then. I mean, I don't know. They didn't have TV back then, and they didn't have iPhones and, and all that other stuff. They, they were, like, in a sense, primitive, but he still loved the things of the world so much that he left Paul. So we need to be really aware that the world is pursuing us, okay? And then First John 2.16, it says... For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So as long as we are on the earth, the world is not going to go away, and the world is actually pursuing us, and as Christians, we need to be wise. We need to be wise with entertainment Uh, We need to be wise with anything that is out there that comes at us, at our children. And and even when it comes to our children, Lord, we ask for wisdom on how to even, like as parents and grandparents, we should say, Lord, please give me wisdom on how to talk. It's better not to talk sometimes if you talk in anger and with a lack of wisdom. Is that okay to say? So wisdom and, and knowing when is a big thing. Okay, then the next thing that's still around is the flesh. So, you know, this is out of Galatians 5, 19. These are things that haven't changed. When, when you become a Christian, your flesh doesn't change. It, it's still your flesh. So the works of the flesh in Galatians, it's like sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, 
quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Those are the works of the flesh. Now, in that scripture, I didn't put it up there, uh, all of it, but it says anyone that does these, I, I wanted to explain something. It says they won't inherit the kingdom. Now, there is a difference between entering the kingdom when you become a Christian and inheriting the kingdom. And so that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell if you do any of those. But what it means is if you want God's best, best while you're on the earth, it's good not to participate in those, to put your flesh under. And, and you might say, well, you sure that doesn't mean you're going to hell? Do you think that you would go to hell if you're jealous? So I know that there's some more serious things on here, but selfish ambition, you know, envy. See, so those, those do you, I don't believe the Lord is going to send a Christian to hell for that. They're all in the same category, but what he's saying is that you participate in those. It's hard to walk in faith and believe God for his best when you're participating. So he said, put the flesh under so you can inherit my best while you're on the earth. That's what that's talking about. Does that make sense? Okay, so the flesh wants to do all those things. Everything that's listed above, we need to be aware of it. So this kind of just came to me when we are saved. The flesh and its desires do not go away. They battle against our soul. We should not be taken by surprise by them, but instead know how to keep our flesh under and we're going to say more about it as we continue in the message. And so here's what First Peter says about it he, in 2.10. He says, you were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you, Lord. Uh, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners, we're, we're in this world, but the Bible says we're foreigners here in this world. Don't let the world impress you so much, you know. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against your soul. So he's saying, like, the, your flesh is not going to go away. Be aware of it, and you, we can do something about it. We're going to look at it soon. Here's the third thing that doesn't change the devil. He's, uh, he's like a roaring lion, the Bible says. He's seeking someone to devour. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, he is the god of this world system. As I said earlier, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when we're saved, we are born again and we're delivered from this world and system. But the devil still is the God of this system. We need to know that as Christians. We should not be unaware of that. And then number four is natural laws. So natural laws are still in operation. So when you're saved, it doesn't change. That means Christians should get their rest. There's one in the Bible like Philippians 2.30, Epaphroditus, he didn't, he didn't rest, he overworked, and he was working for the Lord, and he was to the point of death because he did not have a balanced life. So as Christians, we need to know we want to eat as healthy as we can, and we want to do some exercise, and we want to get our rest. That's just common sense. Natural laws have not changed, and so Christians need to know that. We believe God for our health, but we also can do, be aware of the natural. And it's, it's just wise to do that. So here's what we said about these four things, and then we're going to move on. Uh, what hasn't changed? The world problem, the flesh problem, the devil problem, and the limitation problem, natural laws. So we're in the world, and we have to understand those things are still there. What has changed? I won't spend time, a lot of time here, but 1 Corinthians 15, 22 
It says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So when we become a Christian, we're made alive in Ephesians 2, 5. Even when you were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And so we're made alive. That's the principal thing that changes when we become Christians. We're made alive our spirits are recreated, we're cleansed, we're forgiven, we're new creatures in Christ, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, we're seated in heavenly places, our, and we have authority. Uh, we have a lot of wonderful things. We have the promise of eternity. That's what changes. So what we want to look at today, then, with our remaining time, is the changed, that's us, Christians, dealing with the unchanged, the world, the flesh, the devil, Limitate all those things. We want to look at the change dealing with the unchanged. So here's the first thing uh, we want to talk about is like dealing with the world, and that's stay with the mission. And so staying with the mission, uh, and that's just one part, but the world hasn't changed. It's going ungodly. We know that. But here, look at Jesus and what he said. John 6, 33, he says this. He said, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about himself. And that word, the word world there, that's the Greek word cosmos. That's the system of the world, the ungodly system that when Alan received the offering, how it says that we've been delivered from this evil system world. That's what it's talking about, the cosmos. So Jesus came with the bread of life, and he came to do something about what we're living in. And then in John 6, 51, he, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world, of the world, is my flesh. Jesus gave his flesh for this evil place that we're living in. He gave his flesh for that, okay? So then look at, here's what we want to see, the next scripture John 17, 18, it says, you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The way to deal with the world problem is to do the mission. The world is going to become worse, but Jesus came to a, an evil world to give them bread, and now he says, I'm sending you to do the same thing. And so we can't take things with us. I, I like to say it this way, as long as we're here, occupy. So work, we make money, God prospers us, can have savings accounts, nice car, but we can't take the money with us, we can't take the cars with us, we can't take our homes with us, but we can take souls with us. So as Christians, just to be focused, why are we here? If we stay with the mission, in a sense, it automatically deals with the world problem. And so uh, we don't want the world to entice us, and we don't want to be infatuated by the world, but we know why we're here, and that's stay with the mission. Okay, the, the next thing then as we look is we want to talk about seek first the kingdom. Now that deals with our needs. So the first one, like staying with the mission, that that's, that's deals with the world problem, but if we seek the kingdom first, that deals with our needs. And like Luke 12 and verse 30, it says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows you need them. And, you know, what kind of things? Well, it, the common things are food, shelter, and clothing. 
the world is always going to go after shelter, food, and clothing. It's just going to happen that way. And so he's saying, the Heavenly Father knows you have need of those. And then he says instead, in verse 31, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And so that includes everything. So I went to Bible school during a time when there was a real kind of move of God going on, and there was a lot of excitement. That was back in 1981, and I went, to, I, I, I went 1,000 miles, and I went, moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and my brother Joe and I felt uh, like we should go there, so we went together. But we had some friends that followed us, and I, I can't say that God spoke to them. They, they, they knew we were going, so they said, we're going to go too. So four other people followed us down to go to Bible school, and one of the guys, you know, he really wanted to be married. And he's at a Bible school, you know, with 2,000 students in the school. And there was all kind of, you know, single girls there at the Bible school. And then there was this Canadian guy that my brother Joe made friends with. And uh, they, they became pretty close. He was without a wife at this school with 2,000. And my brother felt led after Bible school to go back to my hometown and plant a church and he inv invited the Canadian guy to be his worship leader. Uh, and so he said, yes, he got a green card and he was able to get into America. And so he went to Little Warren, Ohio, where I'm from, to plant a church, my brother. And so the Canadian guy was there and he was at a Bible school with 2,000 students. He didn't find his wife, but he's following God. He's seeking the kingdom first. And then my friend, he was there that came from my hometown. He went back to the, our hometown without a wife. And guess what? In my little town, Warren, Ohio, those guys found wives in a brand new church plant. They got, that's where they found their wife. And what am I saying? You can like load up your car. And in, I mean, if you're allowed out of Queensland and you can go on a worldwide tour in Australia looking for a spouse, a husband or a wife. And all along, if you plant and seek the kingdom first, Instead of going to seek, let the Lord bring your spouse to you. And so, you know, when it says seek the kingdom, that works every single area. As Alan said when he received the offering, he decided to t keep tithing and not buying a 500-something dollar garage door opener. And then the Lord led him to one for $40 that did the same thing. He sought the kingdom first, and the Lord met his needs. So that's just a principle. It's a spiritual principle. So we deal with the world not by going after the things of the world, but we seek him first and let him take care of everything else. The next thing we want to look at is then put the flesh under. Like, how do you deal with the flesh? Well, we put it under. So in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 13, it says, If you live by the dictates, it's talking about the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to, to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will surely live. So God is telling us in this scripture that we have power to keep the flesh under. So we, we looked at all the works of the flesh, and it's a pretty substantial list. But then he's saying, I'm giving you power to be able to deal with those things in your flesh. And then another scripture, this is Paul. Paul was used to write Romans. And so then also Paul was used to write Corinthians. So then Paul talks about himself. He says, for I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So there's two different scriptures. Paul himself is saying, you have power to keep your flesh under. And he's saying, I'm dealing, 
I might be one of the greatest, he, he probably didn't think he was the greatest apostle, I thought he was great, but he's like saying, hey, doesn't matter what I've accomplished for the Lord, I still have to deal with my flesh, and he said, I have to bring it into subjection. So every Christian needs to know the flesh doesn't go away, but every Christian needs to know that we have power to keep it under. And so let's talk about some power now and how that can happen. Well, I know my Bible says that the gospel is the power of God. And so there's power in the good news, and especially when a Christian meditates on, when you feed and meditate on who you are in Christ, that's power. But then the Holy Spirit is also power. So we have these two power sources, God's Word and the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about putting our flesh under, we need both of those things to keep the flesh under. And so meditating in the Word, who we are in Christ, it, it, it's, it all we, and here's the thing, if you stay out of the Word, and I'm sure everyone here has, if you, if you haven't ever had a season where you were, you know, like you were in the Word every single day since you've been a Christian, well, good on you, but I, I don't know anyone like that yet. Christians I know, including myself, I've had days where I didn't get into the Word, and I'm not as strong. You know, so everyone has to know, that, like there's power in that Word, and staying in it makes a difference. But then there's also the Holy Spirit, and there's power there. And so I am not ashamed to say this. I'm filled, I'm born again, and I, I received the Holy Spirit when I received Jesus, but then I was also filled with the Spirit, and I speak in tongues. And the tongues and being filled with the Spirit, that is a power source. It really is. And so... Um, I know from the time that I got, when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit and when I'm in the Word, I have a lot of strength. That's where the power is. So I really encourage everyone, if you struggle with your flesh, whatever you feed on the most makes a difference. So if you feed, and I'm not just talking about eating natural food, if entertainment and all the things that the world has, binge watching something on Netflix or, you know, Stan, Amazon Prime, all those things out there that you can binge, you know, watch. And you, you, you binge watch a whole thing. I know, because I did it back years ago. I binge, binge watched a whole season once. I thought that's a better usage of time, get it done with and finish. I haven't done it. I, I'm not on Netflix now, so I can't do that any longer. But I did it a number of years ago. And I know it might have been one day and I got it out of the way. But if I read my Bible for five minutes that day, and then I, and I hardly prayed, and I did a binge watch a season, what am I going to be full of, and am I walking in any kind of power? I'm just like being really honest. I, I don't care who you are. Where is the power? And we need to do something to make sure that we have that to keep the flesh under. So um, that, that is something that we can do, and it's our choice to do it. In everything, it's really important. If you're sitting here and you've been binge watching for a while, you know, the first thing is you should not have any guilt or condemnation because we're in the, in the, we are in the church age. It is the age of grace. Thank God that we don't have to walk in guilt or condemnation, but also thank God that he gives us this opportunity that we can turn from what we're doing. It's, repentance is simply a change of your mind and what you're doing, and you simply turn and you decide to go a different direction. You simply talk to the Lord and say, I've been doing this. I, I don't want to do that any longer, and I'm turning, and I choose to do this. 
It's really simple. No guilt or condemnation. And then you make sure what you're feeding on is you're feeding on the, you're not feeding on the, what the world has, but you're feeding on what he has principally. And there's great power and strength there. And it enables us to keep the flesh under. Okay. All right. Let's look at another one, like resist the devil. So, you know, the Bible says in John 4, 7, resist the devil and he'll flee. How did Jesus resist the devil? Well, Jesus used the word of God. So Luke 4, 4, Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone. And then Luke 4, 8, Jesus answered and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, it is written. So he did that three times. Three times Jesus dealt with the devil with the word. We deal with the devil with his, God's word. And then in Matthew 8, 16, it says that even they brought him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. So Jesus dealt with demons with the word. He dealt with the devil with the written word. And then the, this translation and the new living translation says he cast out demons with a simple command. And so all Christians need to know the devil, when you receive Jesus as Lord, the devil doesn't go away, but we have power and we have authority and a simple command, you can keep the devil in his place. Now, when I was young, I, I told this story before, we, we had a, a three bedroom home. My father built it himself. He didn't even have money to, he, he took five years to build a home because he didn't have enough money to do it otherwise. So he bought a piece of ground for very little money. He did have like a big, truck come in and dig out we have basements in ohio they dug the basement out he laid all the he learned how to lay block he was a tool and die maker but he learned all the trades he needed to do to build a house at very little money it was a three-bedroom home and we had seven boys so we had one bedroom with two twin beds and four of us and another bedroom with a twin bed and a single bed my oldest brother got the single bed i was in the bedroom with the two twin beds and four brothers i'm laying in bed just when I'm a young guy, uh, I don't remember how old. I, I was like 12 to 15 years old, somewhere in that age bracket. And I'm laying by myself in the bedroom, and a voice comes to me. I'm talking about the devil. And this voice comes to me and says, you like guys. I wasn't a Christian. I mean, I was far from it back then. And this voice comes to me and says, you like guys. And I didn't know how to talk polite, and I didn't really know... I didn't, at the time, I didn't know where the voice came from because I wasn't in the Bible. But I said, the H I do, get the H out of here. And that voice, and I'm just being direct. I, I wasn't a Christian, so that's the way I talk. And the vo I didn't hear the voice again for a few days, but then it came back again. Same thing, and I said the same thing back. And then I never heard from that voice again. So I'm not even a Christian, and I told the devil where he could go. And he left. Think about a Christian that has God's word and what can happen if you take God's word and the devil comes to you and say, you're going to die of cancer. And you say, no, I'm not. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Or the devil says, whatever he says, you take the word and you speak back. And that's how we deal with the devil. And we all can do it. You don't have to uh, stand behind a pulpit. You don't have to be an apostle or a prophet. Every Christian can use God's word and speak to the devil. And then the next one we want to look at, this is just like how the change, how we deal with the unchanged. So walking in love is something else uh, that we have. And so 
in First Thessalonians 4, 9, it says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And, I'm, and this is not the kind of love where, like, we love the sinner the way that they are, because God did, but we don't condone sin. So when we talk about walking in love, we're not saying like, hey man, you're cool, everything about you is cool to somebody that's like killing people. Because God said to love, so no, we love you and you can become a Christian, but we don't condone the fact that you're like a murderer. You see, and anything like that is not, in the, so that's the kind of love that we're talking about. And so how does God personally teach us? Where it says you, you have no need that anyone teach you. I think Romans 5.5 5 answers that. It says, uh, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So for Christians, once God gets on the inside of us with his spirit, he's love and, and love gets on the inside and he can teach us all individually how to love. And so we have love is a weapon to deal with this world. And then lastly, number six and that's this, pray and speak to our mountains. And before I look at that real quickly, this is only going to take a minute. Back at number, there's like number three when I talked about power. I had a few testimonies that I wanted to share and I didn't share that because I said that being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is a power source. And uh, I want to just say a few things more about that. Um, there's two things that I was around. I, I, um, when I moved back from Bible school to my hometown, a door opened into the juvenile prison in my town. That's like the teenagers that were in jail. And I was allowed to go minister once a week into the, at, the, at the juvenile place. And uh, I took my friend who went to Bible school that found his wife in our little hometown and not at Bible school. I brought him with me and we did it together. So there was a guy that was received Jesus. He was a pretty bad young guy. And then we, we were like not holding back in this prison. And we were talking about being filled with the spirit and speaking in tongues. And this young guy said, Hey, I want to be filled with the spirit and speak in tongues. And my friend laid hands on him. And I saw this with my own eyes. That kid was picked up and he was thrown up against the wall and he slid down the wall speaking in tongues. It was like, when I say that the Holy, there's power there. And so he, he, like we left and we were only allowed to go there every Tuesday. We went back next Tuesday and we walked into a revival. This young guy was on fire. He got everyone there saved and he was getting to fill with the Holy Spirit. We, we thought, well, our work is done here, except they transferred him out and then it changed without him there. He was like the guy that had all the influence. So our work started back up again. But I, I, I'm just telling you that there's so much power and being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I encourage it. I don't think it's made me weird. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm a pretty normal guy. I hope you think I'm normal. You know, but I really encourage being filled. And we have people that, like, after every service, there's people up here that they're trained. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, I encourage it. And you won't get weird. Don't be concerned. And I know there's people out there that say it's of the devil, but you can't tell me the devil gave me something to make me a better Christian. He doesn't do stuff like that. He doesn't do that. 
He'll, he wants to make us worse Christians. He gave me something that gave me power to be a better Christian, and no one could ever convince me that the devil's behind being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Okay, then the other one I wanted to tell you about, there's this guy named Dennis Tenorino. He was a bodybuilder, and he won the highest thing you could win as Mr. Natural. That meant he didn't do steroids. He won the Mr. Natural championship. And then he got saved somewhere along the line. And I'm in Arizona. Uh, I was serving a ministry there, uh, Brother Hagen, and I'm in, in Arizona, and he comes to the meeting. And, the, and then, I, then I found out why he came to the meeting. Well, after he got saved, he went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he wanted to talk to Brother Hagen. So he's up in Brother Hagen's office, and, and Brother Hagen asked him if he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, no. So Brother Hagen laid hands on this big bodybuilder guy, and he got picked up off his feet. He went flying back and hit the wall and slid down on the wall praying in tongues. And he, of course, he was never the same since. That's two times. that. I, now, I didn't get picked up and thrown, and I still got it. So don't expect anything like that. Mine was actually, I went, I went to the basement of a Catholic church on the next town over. The associate priest there was hiding from the senior priest doing underground meetings for charismatics. And he invited, he invited a Protestant minister in to teach on the Holy Spirit one night in the basement. And I went there. And he taught how to be filled with the Spirit and then he had an invitation. I went up and he laid hands on me. And I was like so afraid, man. I was like shaken. You know, it wasn't even to walk in front of people back then. I was very timid. I didn't even like walking in front of people. And I'm like really afraid. And he lays hands on me and I'm still afraid. But I, he just said, start speaking. And I did. Mine was very calm. And it was like real simple, like la, 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 la. And it's, I was thinking... You know, my grandfather, we were Italian, and he had this thing. It was like, la, 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 pesci stoka bacala. This like an Italian thing. You know, I see the Greek laughing over there. You know what I'm saying? You know, pesci stoka. It was like swordfish and bacala and something between Greeks and Italians. I don't know. He used to. So I'm like doing la, 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 you know. And, um, and it, but as, as I continued in, my prayer language developed. And I, and I believe today I have a very develop prayer language. But all I can tell you when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost and I'm in the Word, it's a whole different story. And I just encourage it. So I wanted to, I didn't want to leave that out. And I really encourage you. We have people up here that can help you be filled with the Spirit after the service. Okay, let's get back to this last one now. And that's pray and speak to our mountains. So James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. So we have to know as Christians, one way that we exist in this world is we have, there, there's two things that we can do. Like Mark eleven twenty three says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So that's talking about speaking to a mountain. Then the next verse says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So there's two things here. There's a request and there's an address. And so as Christians, we can either request that's ask or we can address that's speak to. And that's something we can all do. We're in the world. The devil's still here. Our flesh, the world is going its direction. But we can do these two things. We can pray. We can speak to mountains and we can also request. So these are, this is like a little roadmap for every Christian on how the change, that's us, can deal with the unchanged.
That's the things that are out there that haven't been changed. So here's what we said today. Stay with the mission. That's dealing with the world. Seek first the kingdom. That's dealing with our needs. Put the flesh under. That's dealing with our flesh. Resist the devil. That's dealing with the devil. Walk in love. That's dealing with people. And then pray and speak to our mountain. That's dealing with problems. And that's what all of us can do. We can take care of the things that we face in our lives. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much for each person that's here and everyone that would be watching online, Father. And I thank you. I thank you for the roadmap that you gave me on how to live in this world, all the things that we can do and all the things that we have. Father, I thank you that you make that real to, to each Christian watching. If you're here today in the auditorium or if you're watching online and Jesus isn't your Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as Savior today. And I'm going to just invite, like, I'm sure the Lord, if you're here and you don't know him, I'm sure he's been speaking to you and you know in your heart that you need him, you need a Savior, you know you can't save yourself. So I'm going to just invite the congregation, if you guys could just like close your eyes. And so I want to just like talk to you. If you're here and all, everyone's eyes are closed, if you want to know Jesus as your Savior, I'm not going to have you stand up and come forward. But I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Tony, as you were speaking, I don't know the Lord, but it's really real to me that I need to know him. I need a Savior and I want to receive him. Just slip your hand up so I can, I can see that because I, I do want to lead in a prayer. So I'm, I'm going to assume that everyone in this room is a Christian. I'm just giving another second. Okay. Well, even so, if you're watching online, let's just say this together because somebody may be watching online and they need to receive Jesus. So I'm still going to lead in this prayer. And if you didn't raise your hand, this is your opportunity to receive Jesus. So let's just say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Jesus, I thank you that you came for me. You shed your blood for me. Thank you that you were raised from the dead for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. You're welcome in my heart. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au. 